and good morning once again. I'm glad you could be with us today. We're uh, church is closed today because of some COVID concerns uh, with some of our members and also our leadership. So we're going to record today's message from home, but uh, no doubt it'll be uh, good because it's the Word of God. So turn with me to Revelation chapter 10 today, and we would like to continue our study in the book of Revelation. And as we've went through this, I have really enjoyed uh, pointing out some of the things I believe that sometimes get left out of the book of Revelation, some of the good things that we need to see that are an encouragement to us. So uh, once again, Revelation uh, chapter 10, and uh, we'll begin in verse 1. But let's pray this morning over the word we're going to receive and ask the Lord to open our eyes and that we may see what it is we need uh, for this time in our lives. Okay, let's pray. Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, we're uh, doing things a little bit unorthodox today, but God, we know that when we open your scriptures and we begin to speak uh, the inspired word of God, <clears throat> that Lord, that you always bless. And so God, we just ask that you do that once again today. Bless us in the reading and the studying of your word, Lord, as we look to it for guidance and we look to it uh, to shape our, our lives and the way we should live and, and the way we should treat people. So Father, today we just ask in Jesus' name, be with us, give us the ability, Lord, to understand the scriptures which we read today. Amen. And uh, I was going to talk just a few moments about uh, where we were at last week. We talked in chapter 9 last week. We talked about uh, we were going through these trumpet judgments, and we got uh, up to the sixth uh, sounding trumpet of uh, the judgment of God, and those were the ones where there was not a lot of good things going on. Uh, it was very bad things, a lot of people uh, uh, suffering, a lot of people dying, and and lots of things, but in the in the the last couple verses of chapter nine, before we go into chapter ten, let's just read those once again uh, that we may uh, blend into our lesson today. So, in in chapter nine, verse twenty and twenty one, let's just read those very quickly. Uh, after all these things had taken place, uh, uh, up through these six uh, trumpet judgments, this is what the Bible says in in uh, Revelation nine and twenty. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders, of their sorceries, of their sexual immorality, or their thefts. And we talked about it a little bit last week, and, and, and we'll just leave that as last week's lesson, but just as a reminder, I don't know what it's going to take for people to repent. Uh, there are some people in this world, I, I guess, that uh, they're just so hard-headed, they're just going to have to be cut completely down to ground level and have nothing left uh, before they'll repent. And evidently, according to the scriptures here, there's some people that's just going to refuse to repent. No matter what is happening, they're going to refuse to turn to God and, and accept His grace. But uh, hopefully we uh, uh, will be able to convince some and to preach the gospel to some that will, will maybe will turn into him and not have to face these things. So anyway, there's a lot of people in this world that uh, are just hard-headed, and the Bible calls them stiff-necked, uh, that they will not return, uh, repent from their wicked ways and turn into the Lord. But nevertheless, you and I have repented. I hope that everyone hears this today, has already repented of their sins. If not, uh, let me be quick to remind you that you can always turn to Jesus and ask him to forgive you of your sins. Amen. So Revelation 10 and 1, let's begin reading for our lesson today. And the title of today's lesson is The Little Book. Uh, 
was talking with others and, and a lot of people had never really heard this part of the Bible. Uh, this is a very mysterious chapter within the book of Revelation. There's a lot of mis mysterious things happening all through the book of Revelation, but even within that, this probably seems to be the most mysterious is chapter 10, but I've titled it The Little Book, and we'll talk about that momentarily. And it says in verse 1 of chapter 10, And I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. And he had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea, and his left foot on the land, and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Verse 4 says, Now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered, and do not write them. One of the things I would like to point out this morning before we go along any farther uh, is these seven thunders. See, this is a mystery because nobody knows what these seven thunders said. Uh, nobody knows what was told to John or what he heard within those seven thunders. So these are seven more things that are going to happen aside from the seals and the trumpets and the vials of wrath. You see, see, we always talk about those three uh, judgments, but there's these seven thunders that are something's going to happen. We don't know what it is. And uh, the one thing I want to share with you is uh, these things are a mystery which no man knows. John, the apostle of Jesus Christ, is the only human being alive that has been revealed these things while it was there, for he was told not to write them and to seal them up. Amen. And, and in verse 7, we'll find in just a few moments, it says that when the seventh trumpet begins to sound, then it will be revealed what this mystery is. But until then, it's a mystery. Now, there are people running around here, and there seems to be uh, all kinds of prophets uh, uh, popping up everywhere you look right now. And Jesus said this was going to be one of the signs of the end days. There's all these false prophets uh, standing up and saying they know this and they've been revealed this uh, great mystery and on and on and on. Now, I, I believe in the, in the office of a prophet. I do believe that God calls prophets to, to help guide us through certain things. But when these prophets begin to speak that they know what these seven uh, thunders said, uh, they're wrong and they're lying. And I'll tell you one of the things that lets me know that they're lying is this verse right here. It says that John was told not to even write it. Nobody's supposed to know and it won't be revealed until the time that the seventh trumpet begins to sound. And furthermore, and this would be just my opinion based upon the scriptures, that it's not going to be some American prophet that's going to be revealed these things. I guarantee you it's going to be somebody from the land of Israel. It's going to be a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because as the things in the book of Revelation begin to take place, the Gentiles seem to be starting to be pushed out and the, the Israelites begin to be pulled back in. So I don't believe that it's going to be revealed uh, to some American prophet, uh, uh, just because we live in America and we're supposed to be so blessed, I do truly believe that it's going to be a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There in the land of Israel, probably no doubt right around Jerusalem is where they will take up their prophecy. But anyway, that's just my opinion based upon the scriptures. But one thing is for sure that it will remain a mystery. Amen. And uh, I believe that this right here, and I was talking uh, with my wife this morning, uh, and as I was thinking about this lesson this week and just kind of gleaning a few things from it, uh, I do believe that this verse right here where it says that these things had to be sealed, 
I do believe that this is why uh, all the theories about the end times, all the books that's been written, all the speeches that have been given, all the uh, the preaching sermons and teaching lessons and all the things that have happened here in the last, say, 30, 40 years, maybe 50 years, even within the church, everybody knows just exactly how everything's going to play out. And you've got all these different theories about the end time, but every single one of them has a hole in it. Every single theory that you go with, whether it's uh, this or whether it's that, uh, you get to a certain point and you say, okay, well, now this scripture doesn't jive with this theory. So then you go back and you start again and try a different theory and then you find another scripture that it's just like it's a never-ending dead end. And I believe that this uh, chapter 10 and verse 4 is why. God left certain things a mystery that they're not going to make complete perfect sense to us because it's his mystery. He uh, does that, I believe, to keep human beings honest because if we knew exactly how everything was going to play out, then guess what? We wouldn't, we wouldn't be devoted to him. We'd just wait around to the last minute because human beings have to uh, have a way of being procrastinators. But anyways, that's just my opinion on that. I do believe this verse right here tells us and it's, it shows us that that's why none of these theories about the end time makes perfect sense to us, okay? And so what the thing is that the Lord has taught us, he's shown us that these things are going to happen, that dreadful days are coming upon the earth, but he's also shown us that if we'll follow him with all our heart, if we'll put our faith and trust completely in him, that no matter what comes upon this earth, no matter what negative or bad things we may see, no matter what happens, he is with us. Amen. And that's the key thing we need to remember, that I don't need to know exactly when this part of Revelation is going to happen or when this part of certain prophecy is going to happen. It's interesting to study, but I don't have to know those things because I do know that Jesus Christ is with me and he has said he would never leave me nor forsake me. Praise God. So put your trust and faith completely in the finished work of the cross of Calvary where Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for our sins. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's move on to verse 5 verse 5 says the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever who created uh, who created heaven and the things that are in it the earth and the things that are in it and the sea and the things that are in it that there should be delay no longer now the King James Version uh, says instead of delay it says there should be time no more or time no longer. Uh, and a lot of the, uh, of the newer versions of the Bible have changed that word, and that's just because they've begun to understand that the word that they translated into time from the King James meant like a delay or a time space, kind of like the grace period. And what the Bible is saying here is this angel, when this begins to happen, this angel is going to lift up his hand and swear by God Almighty, who's created everything that there is, that there should be no, no more delay in the things of the end time, that there'll be no more time uh, where God has has pressed like in essence the pause button on these things that they're going to happen exactly when he said they're going to happen and if he says something's going to happen for 42 months or a certain amount of days that's exactly what it's going to be amen so that's what this verse is saying and when it says delay there where some of the bibles might say time no more it means that there's not going to be any more delay in the things that god is going to pour out upon this uh sinful world and these people who are rebellious and refuse to repent. Amen. Another thing I'd like to point out in verse 6, and I hadn't even put these in my notes, but I know that the Lord is showing them to me right now as we speak. The Lord God Almighty is the creator. 
And there has been a big push in our country and maybe even over the whole world the last several years, maybe the last hundred years, has been trying to tear down this basic fact in belief of God, that God is the creator. Amen. He created everything. And if you, if you can't start out with that fact right there, that God existed outside of time and space, God is the one who created us and everything that we see, everything physical that we see, everything spiritual that we may uh, experience, God has created it. We have to start right there. And this angel is swearing. It says there again, look at verse six, by him who lives forever and ever. Hallelujah. He does not die. He is alive forevermore. He is the self-existent one, the omnipotent God whom we serve. Amen. And it says who created heaven and the things that are in it. When you see the sun, the moon, the stars, and whatever else is in outer space that we haven't even discovered yet, God has created it, amen. And it says that uh, the earth and the things that are in it, everything we see upon this earth, the water, the trees, the grass, the animals, the people, uh, all the things that we can look upon this earth and see, and right now it's fall time and the, and the leaves are changing colors and, and it's beautiful to look at. And every time we look at these things, we see God created these things for us to enjoy, amen. He created us to live upon this earth and have dominion upon it and to look at this beautiful color and the splendor of the leaves as they change and we get ready to go into winter. He created these things and this angel, this great and mighty powerful angel, hallelujah to the Lamb of God. He stood upon the, the land and upon the sea, one foot on the sea and one foot on the land, lift up his hand and raised his voice unto God Almighty and said, God has created all these things. Hallelujah. And it says that he created the earth and the things that are in it and the sea and the things that are in it. All the, the beautiful fish and the things that we, we enjoy from the sea. Amen. He created all these things. And he's saying that now we are declaring it to you this day. We're declaring that sometime right about this time when that seventh trumpet begins to sound, that there is time, there's going to be no more delay, that the things are going to happen exactly as they're going to supposed to happen. And as we go on through the book here in the next few weeks, we'll begin to see that God specifies certain amounts of months. He specifies certain amount of days that certain things will happen. And that is all because when this angel declared it, okay, now the timetable is on God's timing, amen, and it's not going to be delayed for anybody, amen. So praise God for that. In verse 7, it says, But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, See, now we're talking right now, the sixth angel had sounded its trumpet last week and we're now coming down into this and this is what he's referring to when he says the seventh angel. The next angel is to sound his trumpet. In the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants, the prophets. That means that the mystery uh, of God will be finished or completed when this seventh trumpet begins to sound. Now, one of the things that's very mysterious in the Bible is prophecy itself. I don't care who we are. We have the ability to look backwards on things and we wonder then, we say, well, how did those people miss that? Well, they missed it because it was a mystery to them. Just the same as these things of the last days are a mystery to us. We might say we know how they're going to play out, but I'll guarantee you we're 99.9% .9 wrong. Amen. And prophecy is a mysterious thing, and man almost always gets it wrong. Have you ever had somebody give you a word from the Lord? I have had this happen myself just recently. Somebody gave, was given a word from the, from the Lord, and we interpret it the way we want to interpret it. 
we interpret it uh, the way we think it should go or the way we think it would be the best, but sometimes we get it wrong. Amen. So anytime we study prophecy, even in the Old Testament prophets, that's what it's talking about here in verse 7. As he declared to his servants the prophets, you can go back and study those things in prophecy, and some of that stuff just absolutely does not make any sense. I'll be the first to admit it. You'll be going along, and if there's something there that we know that Jesus has fulfilled, okay, all of a sudden we think, oh, yeah, I've got that. That's, I've got that. But we're looking back 2,000 years. It's easy to see it looking back, but as we're living these things out, we don't truly understand prophecy. And you can read those prophet books, and it'll be going along, and all of a sudden it jumps from one thing into a completely other thing, and we don't know where it goes. I'll tell you one of the things that's the greatest mystery to me and, and I never have heard anyone give a good enough explanation to suit me, and that's because it's a mystery, but that's the millennial period. Nobody really knows exactly what does that mean. How does that play out? How is that going to work? We don't know, okay? And the Bible speaks very vaguely about it. So one of those things, and like I said, that when this, when this seventh trumpet begins to sound, then the mystery that God spoke in the Old Testament prophet books that hasn't been fulfilled, the things here in Revelation we haven't seen, the things which Peter talked about, all those things then, all of a sudden then they'll make sense, okay? And that's because then the mystery will be revealed, but not until then. And that's why we have to put our complete trust in Jesus Christ in all things. Amen? Amen. Now verse 8 says this, Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it. And it, was, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. That is the title of our lesson today. And I know that all Christians have certain callings and things we do, and we witness and everything to, to our family and our loved ones. But I want to speak just briefly this morning what I believe that the Lord has is, is given me for this morning. This little book is, is representative of the calling of, of God in our life. And I'm speaking to maybe some of my pastor friends, my preacher friends that may listen to this later today. I want to encourage you with this. Uh, the little book represents the calling of God in John's life. It contained what God had called John to speak. That's why when he went and took the book, it says it was a little book. Now, I'm sure there was a lot involved and a lot contained within this little book, but he was told that he should eat it. And that meant that it was just for John. He didn't tell him to share it with somebody else. He didn't tell him to take part of it here and part of it there and everything. He said, I want you to eat this. This is the calling that I have upon your life. And I know sometimes that the calling of God has given us as, as ministers, sometimes it doesn't go the way that we think it should or the way we think it would have went. But I want you to know this, that just as John was given this little book that I believe represented his calling, I believe that God has a little book for all of us ministers. Now, I'm not trying to read into something here into the Bible that's not here, but I just, by the scriptures, I do believe that God has called us for a certain reason and a certain time for a certain thing. And if you're discouraged today, I want to just encourage you to know that, listen, just keep doing what the Lord's called you to do. Be faithful unto his calling. I know we all, and I, and I think I could speak for all ministers, we look around at our churches 
and we know they all ought to be full. And sometimes it's discouraging that we just preach to a handful of people a lot of the times. But it's not to say we disregard the people who come all the time. It's just that we know there are so many more people that needs to be in church. There are so many more people that needs to come each week, at least once a week, and hear the Word of God that, that, uh, that it will help ground them into the truth. <clears throat> but this little book represented his will for John's life. And in verse 11, the Bible says, And this angel said to me, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. That means he wasn't done with John yet. John, what history teaches us that John was an old man, maybe even had already been blinded, couldn't even see out of his natural eyes. He'd been uh, uh, banished into the Isle of Patmos, you know, and been exiled over there. But Lord was showing him here through this angel and this message, I still have some work for you to do. And I know that maybe some of you might be listening. Maybe you feel like the time has passed. Maybe you feel like the, the Lord's finished with you. But I can tell you right now, as long as there's breath in you, there's a will for God in your, in, your, in, this, in your life and there's people that you can help. So just remain faithful. Continue to do the thing that God has called you to do. No matter if it's two or three people showing up or if it's a hundred, it doesn't matter. Just continue to do what the Lord has asked you to do. Now I want to share this with you also. From verse 10, it says that the, when he ate the book, it would be. he told him it's going to be sweet as honey in his mouth. <clears throat> And I noticed this as I was thinking about it. This verse has always intrigued me. And, and I come back to this again this morning. Something the Lord taught me through this verse a long time ago. When we speak as ministers, when we speak God's word, it's a beautiful thing. It feels as though the weight of the world has been lifted. I know sometimes when we're just doing a teaching or whatever, uh, things like that, that that's, that's, that's pleasurable. We get excited about those things and, and we spend time studying and we start trying to cross-reference and, and we just really want to try to help people to study the Bible. And those things, that's a, that's a wonderful thing for us to do as ministers. Sometimes the Lord gives us a stern message. Sometimes the Lord gives us something like he gave John here. He was going to have to prophesy to many more people about some very bad things because people refuse to repent. And when we get those words that come to us and we know we have to share them to, with people who aren't going to receive them, that is a very difficult thing. And when we, when we are burdened by that, we're, we're really burdened by it, but when we finally get enough courage to go and speak that word, there's such a release. And that's what it's referring to here. It's sweet as honey in his mouth. Finally, I have spoken God's word. That burden is gone from me now. I have released this word that he's put a burden on me to share with the people. Even though it may have been very direct and very, very stern, once we re relieve our ourselves of that word we've been given, it is sweet as honey in our mouth. It's such a, such a release. And, and my, my, my brothers and sisters who, who, who speak the word, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That, that, wonderful feeling of peace and, and calm that we have released that word. Amen. But what happens here, the Bible says that after he'd eaten it, once it made it to his stomach, it became bitter. And you know as well as I do that when we speak those words, we know we're speaking the truth. Sometimes we know how things are going to play out and we know how people are going to respond and that's why we're so reluctant to say them. But when we finally say them, that comes that release, but then after it's digested a while, after a few hours, maybe after a few days, we realize then, and this is when that word of God becomes bitter in our stomach, we realize that some people are just going to rebel and reject the word of God. 
And that is a hard thing for us to face as ministers. And I know it is, but I want to encourage you today. I've been there myself. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to have to, to tell somebody the truth and know how they're going to respond before it even happens. And it grieves you. But that's what the Word of God does. The Word of God is, is, is sweet in our mouth as we speak it and as we release it. But after we realize that some people are going to reject it and that they're going to face some tough days ahead and they're going to face some trying things, it becomes bitter in our stomach and we actually truly grieve about it and we grieve for the people that are going to go through those things. So after we speak God's Word and the sweetness of it wears off and we realize the trouble uh, those who reject it are facing, it does become a burden to us. But I want to encourage you just as the angel encouraged John here in verse 11. He said, even though it was bitter, even though it became bitter in your stomach, in verse 11 he says, and he said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. And later on through these next few verses, uh, these next few chapters, which we'll read over the next few weeks, we're going to see that there was still a lot of bad things going to come upon the earth. There were a lot of more people who were going to reject Jesus Christ as their Savior. And we're going to begin to find out that in these next few chapters that the people who are living on the earth at this time when these things are happening are actually not, not only are they not going to accept Jesus Christ, they are going to seek to try to destroy any mention of him. They're actually going to fight against him even harder than they are now. We see what they do right now in our own country. You can mention anything. You can mention any religion. You can mention any of these other things. But when you start to mention the saving grace and the saving power of Jesus Christ, they don't want to hear it. So we see that those are the things that are going to happen. But I want to tell you, my brothers, I want to encourage you today. Keep speaking God's word. We don't know how this election is going to play out. We know how we would like for it to go because we, we see the stark difference between uh, uh, the two groups of people and the two directions that our country could go in. But even if the election goes our way, or if it doesn't, we have to remember, we're still called to speak the word of God. And even if, even if uh, uh, the side that seems to have more morals, the Republican side wins, and it seems to have a little bit more, more morality, we still got a lot of evil things going on in our country. And it's going to be up to you and I to speak out against these things. You know, just because we put somebody on the Supreme Court that, that doesn't agree with uh, abortion on demand doesn't mean it's ever going to be changed. It doesn't mean that they're not going to stop doing all this uh, transgender stuff and all this stuff to do with homosexuality. They're still going to be legalizing uh, uh, gay marriages and things like that. And we know that God has spoken directly and forbids these things. So it is up to us to prophesy to these people in the future. I think we need to be praying, brothers and sisters. I do believe this, and, and it was burdened with me last week, and our church prayed about it, and I want our church to continue to pray about it. Uh, I don't just want to pray about this election to go right. I want to pray about the division in our country. I'm telling you the truth today. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that our country is in a good shape, even if the Republicans win the presidency again. Our country is more divided now, I believe, than it's ever been. Uh, maybe with the exception of the Civil War. I didn't live through that time, so I'm not sure how truly divided every human being was that, that lived here then. There were certain groups that fought in the armies that were divided, but I believe now we're more divided maybe even than then because we can't agree on anything. Every single thing, every single topic that comes up, there's two sides now. You have to be this and you have to be that and whatever. 
So I want you to be praying, brothers and sisters, about the division in our nation. Because regardless of how this election goes, about half the people are going to choose one thing and about half our people are going to choose another. And so regardless of how the election goes, I, I haven't been telling people pray about the election. I've been urging people as the Holy Spirit urges me, pray about the division in your nation. Jesus Christ said this on one occasion. He said that a kingdom divided against itself will come to desolation. Not may, will come to desolation. It cannot stand. It cannot continue this way much longer. The rioting, the, the looting, the violence is going to get worse. And I'm not just trying to blame one side for, for violence because there's violent people on both sides of these issues. But you and I as Christians, we're not called to pick a side. We're called to stand for the Lord. And so brothers and sisters who speak the word, know that there's a little book assigned to you. There's a word and a will of God that's given to you. Speak it boldly. Speak it unto whoever needs to hear it. We don't need to go pick fights that, that we're not supposed to be in. But when God gives us the message and God urges us to do it, we need to do it. Amen. Amen. Let's pray this morning. <clears throat> Father, we come to you once again as we close this message today. God, I pray for those that might have heard this word today. I pray, for Lord, for my fellow ministers, God, that they be encouraged by this word today. That Lord, there is a little book that was given to John. It was your will for him. And we know, God, you've given a, a, a calling upon our life. And we know you have a will for us to be, even be existing right now and has to speak your word. And Lord, we do admit sometimes it is sweet as honey in our mouth, but Lord, when we start to think about the implications of what's going to happen, it does become bitter in our stomach. So Father, we thank you for this word that was given to John. We thank you, God, for the mystery that you've kept a mystery. Help us to reject those, Lord, that try to say they know what the mystery is because no man knows and nobody will know until this seventh trumpet sounds. So Father, I pray for my brethren. I pray for our people in our church. I pray, Lord, for those that uh, are not feeling well. I pray, God, for those that haven't been able to come due to all this pandemic and those things. I pray for our people, and I pray, Lord, for your ministers. Lord, give them the words which we need to speak. Lord, we are entering into a trying time. Lord, we're entering into a time in our nation when even just the normal lay people who, who don't have uh, shields and swords and weapons to fight a war like they did in the Civil War, we're fighting each other now with words. So, Father, I pray that you give us the truth that we might speak. Let us not try to be humorous about political things, but to give your word unto the world. Lord, if they receive it, it's great. If it's not, it's on them. But let us do your will. Let us have this little book, God, that you've given to us like you give to John. Let us take this little book and accept the role you have given us to play in this time in our nation. And I pray that you give each and every one of us, Lord, good courage as it was given to Joshua, be courageous and stand our ground and give the word of God faithfully as we're supposed to give it, Lord. And we pray, God, that the hearers may hear and be enlightened and return and repent uh, of their wicked ways and turn unto you, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Lord, keep each and every one of our people safe this week. We pray, God, until the next time we meet. Amen. Amen.